I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, it's from the netball court to the doghouse for Netball New Zealand boss Raylene Castle. The All Blacks coach Steve Hansen named his first squad of the season and among the nervous hopefuls is the Hurricanes lock Jeremy Thrush. New Zealand football board member Paula Kearns defends FIFA boss Sepp Blatter saying he's nice, not sexist. The Warriors season's on the up. They've actually had a win and we hear from prop Jacob Lilliman on the milestone of his 150th NRL game. And the New Zealand men's and women's hockey teams head for the Netherlands for the World Hockey League. The outgoing chief executive of Netball New Zealand says rugby league's made significant strides in improving its attitude towards women and she wouldn't have taken on her new role if that wasn't the case. Raylene Castle's been appointed the chief executive of the Canterbury Bulldogs Rugby League Club in Sydney and will take up her new role in July. Castle says the NRL has a responsibility to lead the way in improving and maintaining cultural attitudes towards women and told me she believes there are many similarities between netball and rugby league. Passion for rugby league, I believe in the product, what it can do to communities um, and how it can help grow and develop communities. Um, I think the, the NRL is one of the toughest franchise or club competitions in the world uh, and the players are you know, extraordinary athletes. So, uh, And I'd like to think I can bring some of my commercial skills and experience and, and help the Bulldogs continue to grow and develop. So is that where you were always wanted to be, or where you always hoped your career might lead to, a, a CEO's role in the NRL? It certainly has been an ambition of mine for a long time. I um, had two um, real um, ambitions. One was to be the chief executive of Netball New Zealand because I have such a strong belief in, in netball and I see a lot of parallels between netball and rugby league. And um, I was fortunate enough to do that role for six years and I loved every minute of it and I'm very sad to go. But now there's a, ne- a new challenge and, and that's with rugby league and I'm hugely excited about that. You mention or, or say there are parallels between the two but it would appear that you're the chalk and cheese. Oh, no, I actually think the parallels are incredibly strong. Um, the um, the fact that they're both, obviously team, both team-based sports and um, and that makes a, a difference when you're talking about high performance and what expectations around um, building a team environment versus an individual sport. Um, they uh, have their roots in blue-collar support, so, um, you know, and that's not still the case, but certainly they have roots there, and so the, the loyal fan base and following is, is incredibly strong and has a very long history. And, um, you know, the commercial elements of running a sport or a franchise are very similar. You have to earn enough money so that you can perform on the field or the court. So there's lots of similarities. Mind you, it's also one of the possibly the most chauvinistic ones around and it is littered with with sex scandals and its approach to women would, would go against that. I know with the Bulldogs, they've made a very conscious effort to try and change that perspective and and um, spent a lot of time working with players and, and as part of the education program they pull the players through that respect for women, respect for cultural diversity, creed and race and colour and all of those things are a really important part of that. And I think um, that, that has shown in, in the way the playing group is and, and the respect that they, they give to those different elements. Um, I've certainly been welcomed with open arms by the board of the 
doggies and that's made me feel very comfortable in this environment. Um, and I'll, know, I'll have some fans to win over, but I have some fans to win over even if I was male, so that makes no difference. Although the simple fact that you're a woman would seem a problem in, in, in that sense for some fans, wouldn't it? And that, that chauvinism is obviously a, a concern. If I thought it was that much of a concern, Stephen, I wouldn't have accepted the role. I'm... Um, I, I believe that rugby league is a big family. The Bulldog Club is certainly very family oriented. Um, there's a significant woman in the club culture and history that has made a really successful um, engagement um, and, and added a significant amount of value to the club. And now this is just the next evolution of having a female chief executive. So do you see yourself as a, a trailblazer? No, I don't see myself as a trailblazer. I'm, I'm not, that those terms other people use. Um, I'd like to be respected for the skills and, and competencies I bring to this role. Um, and the fact that I'm female means, well, I'll have a slightly different take on things and, and have some different perspectives. But, um, you know, and that will bring some value um, because I believe that, you know, gender diversity around board tables and senior management tables is very important. Do you feel being a woman helped you or meant that you had to prove yourself double when it came to the interview process and getting this job? I know for a fact it made no, it was irrelevant. Um, they uh, agreed at the board table that they wanted, they had a set of skills and criteria they were looking for. They assessed me against those skills and criteria and the other candidates. My CV and my experience came out on top in that, um, in, the, in those measures and during the interview process. And after that stage, they then said, um, you know, we talked about being female because clearly I am, and they felt that that added value and did give them a chance to break some ground. But it certainly was um, the icing on the cake, not any of the reasons why I got off of the position. Because it can be used as a good look, could it not, with, with the scandals that the NRL and, and the club, the Canterbury Bulldogs have in fact been through? I think it's positive. I, I think it shows absolutely who they are as a club and what um, uh, they're prepared to um, not only live by that mentor of respecting women, but they're also prepared to put a female chief executive in place. Did you have to prove your rugby league credentials? I mean, your dad was obviously a captain of the Kiwis. The, that whole league culture, did you have to endorse that? I thought it was a strength that added value um, to my application uh, like any job, um, you could have all of the commercial and marketing and sponsorship um, credibility in the world, but actually if Terry Lamb walks into the club and you don't know who he is because you don't have any understanding of the game, that makes the job much harder. So that's a real advantage for me. I have a very strong understanding of the history of rugby league over the last 30 years, and I certainly use that to my advantage. Do you think that's going to catch some of the, or maybe some of the players, maybe club members at Canterbury by surprise? I think it probably will, Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it will. But um, you know, I'm I'm a proud rugby league fan and a passionate fan of the game for over 30 years, and and um, you know, I think that's a good thing. Now you're leaving Netball New Zealand after since or since being in the role since 2007. What's the biggest challenge still facing the sport? I think it's bending down the new uh, structure and the change that we put in place. Um, it's a significant piece of change work. It puts netball at the leading edge of governance and leadership models and certainly in New Zealand sport. And now we have to make sure that the theory of the structure and the governance um, delivers the outcomes we're looking for, which is the, the financial benefits, the governance stability, the leadership stability and innovation. And, um, you know, there, there is uh, a platform now in place that will allow that to you know, be delivered, um, but someone is going to have to make that um, um, something they're very um, conscious of and very passionate about delivering those good outcomes. Have you played up the fact you were born in Wagga Wagga? <laughs> um, well, yes, because actually, um, 
Steve Mortimer, who's one of the iconic um, players of the Canary Bulldogs, his nickname's Turvey, and my dad coached Turvey Park. Um, at about the same time Steve was there, Steve was younger, he was only in the under-16. So, um, you know, it, for me and my family, actually watching um, Turvey play uh, was, was very important. That was part of what it was for me growing up as a, as a young child watching rugby league. So, um, you know, absolutely, that, that connection um, is not just about being born in Australia, there's actually a very live connection associated with it. What do you see as your ultimate CEO role? Um, you know, I haven't given them that any thought, really. My, uh, the, step, the stepping stone was to um, to get to um, this, you know, next step in, in the profile and size of the business that the Bulldogs have, and I would like to, you know, hope that in five or six years' time, um, that's been a positive experience for the Bulldogs. Um, and, you know, at that stage, well, you know, who knows? I'll be looking for the next challenge. So you're going to have to change your rugby league allegiances now? You're, you, <laughs> what, which NRL club, I, I assume, was it the Warriors you were supporting? Well, certainly from a New Zealand perspective, I've been a Warriors fan, and um, you know I will continue. They will continue to be my second team, but certainly the Doggies will absolutely be my, be my number one team now. Did you have a, a preferential Australian team prior to this? Well, I actually did in the early days, which was North Sydney, but they don't exist anymore. So, um, and I've always had a real soft spot for the Doggies. So, yeah, it uh, it fits very well. I was talking to outgoing Netball New Zealand Chief Executive Raylene Castle, who's been appointed head of the Canterbury Bulldogs Rugby League Club. A number of All Black hopefuls have a nervous wait in store this weekend with coach Steve Hansen naming his first official squad of the season on Sunday for the upcoming three-test series against France. Among them is Hurricanes lock Jeremy Thrush. With Ali Williams having announced his retirement and Sam Whitelock out through injury, Thrush, who nine years ago was named the International Rugby Board's Under-19 Player of the Year, finds himself on the verge of a test debut, a dream which at times had appeared out of reach. He was called up for one of the All Blacks' recent training camps in Mount Monganui and spoke to May Yo about his experience. Something a bit different now. I've experienced that before, but um, it was pretty low-key, but just the stuff that we did do was, you know, the attention to detail and stuff that they, they want is um, pretty major, so it kind of helps when you come back here that you keep thinking about things that, you know, they give you a little tap on the shoulder on things that you need to work on and try to work on them here, before, you know, and if you get called back into the team then... Hopefully they'll uh, help you with those as well. What's some of the stuff that they specifically asked you to work on? Oh, just little things really, just uh, some stuff with my feet, you know, and little stuff like that, um, that line-out time, and then, and then just keep, keep working on the stuff that I've um, you know, improved on in the last probably 18 months. What kind of aspects of your game do you think has got you noticed now by the All Blacks? Uh, I guess probably just the little things, just the, you know, turning up in the right places and being effective at that, at that ruck time and, and working on my ball carries and stuff like that. So um, probably just helped making sure I'm, I'm doing the, the right roles that, as a tight forward supposed to do, really. And so playing for the All Blacks is still burning ambition? You didn't think that time had passed? No, no, no. Um, you know, I wouldn't lie, there were some times that were a bit hard and um, was a bit disappointing, but I knew if I could... Uh, get those things right in my game then you know and I knew I had the skills and, and the right attitude to get there was just making sure I you know started playing consistent football. I guess those are the times that you thought maybe you'd go overseas and stuff? Yeah there was always that question from I guess other people and, and, and my age and stuff of you know when when that time was right and I guess uh, you know I still had that gut feeling that you know I can still play some good footy and well I, I know I can play good footy and, and so it, you know, I, I had, you know, it was thought about, but 
probably didn't take it too seriously. You know, it was just, yeah, more wanted to stay here and, and, and keep pushing for that dream. And I guess physically you're not the tallest lock out there, so how do you counter that? No, I guess uh, I went up to that camp and some of those boys are a bit, you know, maybe a foot taller than me, some of them, but uh, I don't know, I guess, you know, height's not everything. You make sure, you know, if I've got good work rate and I'm strong in the things I do, um, you know, that, that's still effective and, and a good part of a locking game. Has Steve Hansen said anything to you in particular? Oh, not too much really. Uh, you know, hello and sorted out the, <laughs> the stuff that, you know, I needed to catch up on from last week. But other than that, you know, he's got a few jobs to do and, you know, it was a, that camp was only three days long, so he's got a f- fair bit to get through. So, I, you know, I talked to talked to the people I needed to and, and they, they pointed me in the right direction on what we needed to do for that camp. And finally, the Brumbies this weekend. What are you expecting from them? Um... Yeah, they're, uh, I guess they're the top Aussie team and, and you know, they're, 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 they've been playing some quality football. And they don't play too much of their rugby in their own half. They like to kick it down and, you know, and force you under pressure. So we're going to have to be patient in the way we play but and just be bloody accurate. You know, they've got a good set piece. So that's going to be a challenge for us forwards to make sure we can disrupt some of their ball and look after ours. And, and um, I don't know, I think if we just get those little things right in our, in our contact area, and, and, and turn up with the right attitude that normally um, puts you in the, in the right place to, to have a good crack at winning the game. Yeah, they're a very structured and defensive team too. How do you break that? Uh, just patience, really. We've got to be, I think something we really want to work on is the patience in, in, in our attacking zone when we're attacking them. You know, Sometimes we give a bit of ball away or, or make a silly mistake and, and we release the pressure. So if we can keep them under pressure, then there's always going to be uh, cracks in their defence if we can hold on to that ball. And knowing that you have to win every game from here on out, does that change your preparation to this game? No, it shouldn't do that at all. Um, you know, we've been pretty good with our with our prep and our strategy all the way through, and um, you know, I guess it's just a good challenge, really. Um, you know, we we know what we need to do. That's Hurricanes lock Jeremy Thrush talking to May Yo. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The New Zealand football board member Paula Kearns has found herself involved in the latest gaffe by Sepp Blatter, the head of football's world-governing body, FIFA. Kearns was among four candidates to become FIFA's first permanent female executive member, with the appointment to be made at its Congress in Mauritius this weekend. However, Kearns has now withdrawn her candidacy, realising she didn't have the votes required. Speaking to the Asian Football Confederation this week, Blatter described the Australian candidate Moya Dodd as a strong candidate, helped by being good-looking. We have decided that we shall have not only a co-opted lady, we shall have in future one lady elected for four years and two other ladies, they would be then co-opted for one year. You have a candidate and a good candidate and a good-looking candidate... <laughs> I cannot say more because I shall observe some neutrality. Blatter has previously urged women footballers to wear skimpier kits to increase the popularity of the women's game. I spoke to Paula Kearns about Blatter's latest comments and her decision to withdraw from the FIFA Executive Committee race. The uh, decision was based around the, the stage that the process is at and um, given the uh, developments of the last couple of days, um, there are now four candidates for three positions. And uh, so on that basis, I decided it was in the best interest of the representation of women's football globally to um, withdraw from that race. It must have been a, a difficult 
decision to make or you obviously worked out that the numbers simply didn't stack up? That's right, the numbers just simply didn't stack up and um, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, it was a difficult decision for me um, personally, but as I said, I had to put what's in the best interest of women's football globally um, first and so on that basis I decided it was, it was best to gracefully withdraw at this point in time. Pleasing that FIFA's got to this point, though, of, of a permanent women's position and the other positions that are going to see someone on, sort of a, on an annual basis? It's great. I think that FIFA showing great leadership. They recognise that they need uh, more women involved in governance and senior levels of football, and I think that this is a, it's a great step in the right direction. Um, I've spoken to... Um, Jerome and Seth personally about what more I think that they could do in the future to to um, really get women contributing at that level because I think that, that this process has shown that there's some really strong women out there who have a lot to contribute. What, what would the priorities be as far as you're concerned and maybe mentioned too in those discussions with the likes of Seth Platter? <laughs> Apart from the fact that, that women just have a lot to offer generally around any uh, board table in terms of they have uh, different perspectives and different ways of looking at things and uh, more inclusive ways of um, fostering those relationships is obviously the the whole topic around the representation of women's football, which is um, you know very it's a fast growing sport and up to nearly 30 million players um, worldwide, women and girls football, and and it has a profound effect on you know globally on the communities and, and sport and physical well-being and. And women need women need women role models right at the very top. So it's great that FIFA has shown that leadership and and said they agree and they need to have women in those uh, at the very top and those senior roles. Are you concerned though that sexism obviously still exists with the comments that Blatt has made about Moya Dot? Seth is a nice man and he he was just trying to make a, a nice comment about um, Moya and I certainly like. Uh, um, sure that he made that comment about Moya and hopefully he'll make the same comment about me at some stage. But it, it is a, you know, it has been a very male-dominated international sporting organisation. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, 95% of the uh, people here from the member associations are, are men. That is the environment and it's going to take some time for that to change. I don't personally find his comment sexist. I think it's just he's paid somebody a compliment. So you don't feel as though these moves are, are lip service and that the, the general feeling is still one of chauvinism? No, I think this is a, a genuine move by FIFA to recognise that they need uh, woman role models right at the very top. I was talking to New Zealand Football Board member Paula Kearns, who's in Mauritius for FIFA's Congress. The Warriors continue their attempt to revive their National Rugby League season on Monday night with a clash against the Broncos in Brisbane. After answering the critics last week with a win over Newcastle, the side will be hoping for another win to help forward Jacob Lilliman bring up his 150th NRL appearance in style. The former Queensland representative is one of the underrated workhorses in the Warriors pack and he spoke to Alex Coogan-Reeves about what the milestone means to him. Bringing up the, the 150 games this weekend, uh, yeah, it's a... Something that I'm quite proud of. Uh, you know, it's you know, certainly one of the toughest competitions in the world, and you know, very high collision uh, sports. So to, to get to 150 is, you know, pretty, um, yeah, pretty, 
pretty important in my eyes and uh, you know hopefully we can bring it up with a win. And uh, you talk about the collisions you take in the NRL and uh, how hard it is. Do you think you've got a, another 150 in you? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no. I don't think I've got another 150 in me, but um, yeah, hopefully. Oh, I don't know, mate. You, you never can tell. You know, this this game, as I said, it's very tough and hard on the body. So um, you know, every game after after this, I'll take. Are you feeling good for a, for a few more years at least? Yes, yeah, still got a few more years left in me. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go. And um, obviously, you've been here now four years since 2009. Yeah. Did, when you first came over, did you expect that you'd uh, still be here now? Yeah, that's a tough one. I guess I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I came over here with a bit of an open mind, and uh, you know, it's about you know, great experience over here. Um, you know, made a lot of new friends, and um, and and really adapted to the to the lifestyle over here, and uh, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, yeah, not not sure. I didn't know what to expect, but I've enjoyed every minute. I've had some, some big highs since you've been here, 2011 Grand Final, and this year it's been a lot tougher. you you got confidence that um, the club can get back to where it was, 2011? Yeah, I think, I think we, we can. You know, obviously, you know, with all the new facilities and, and, and you know, what's happened. And this year, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're certainly not writing off this year yet. We can, uh, you know, if we get our act together... And, and, and get onto a bit of a run, you know, anything can happen. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it can be this year. But, um, you know, you know, certainly in the next few years, you know, hopefully we can get back to where we were. And you made a good step towards that, obviously, on Sunday. What was the biggest difference you felt um, playing in Sunday's game compared to the week before? I just think the the commitment. Um, you know, everyone was committed to the cause and. And you know there was a real desire to get the result, and um, you know there's just yeah it was certainly um, the poles poles apart those two performances, and you know it was just satisfying after a week like we had that we were able to to come back over here and turn things around for our home fans, and uh, you know I guess the challenge is now to back that up and, and, and continue on. So hopefully we can do that. Is it just a mental thing, the difference? You you obviously really wanted it on Sunday after obviously the extreme disappointment the week before that mentally you're able to turn it around? Yeah, I guess it was more mental. Um, even the week before, yeah, it was just a case of us not turning up and, and executing individually. So um, I think you know this week, uh, last week's game, we were prepared to, to do what it, what it, whatever it takes and we did that. And, yeah, we got the results. So, as I said, build on that now. But now heading forward, I mean, you beat a top what, four, four or five team. You must feel like you can beat anyone. Yeah, well, we we you know we know that we've got a lot of confidence in, in the ability within the team, and um, you know it's just there is a difference between having confidence and, and getting results on the board. But you know, I think we're we're certainly, although we had a pretty big hiccup uh, last weekend, we're certainly headed in the right direction. And, as I said, now just we just need some results. This week, Broncos are missing a few key key players, um, particularly in that forward pack. Do you do you see that as a bit of an opportunity, perhaps? Yeah, well, it's more a danger game for us because you know the blokes they're bringing in are going to want to come in and prove a point. And teams are always very dangerous when they've got nothing to lose, and um, you know they won't be expected to win. And um, they're certainly going to be a 
a very dangerous uh, proposition for us. So, um, you know, hopefully we can, um, you know, apply the blowtorch early and, and um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and get the result. So um, we'll certainly be looking to do that. And now, obviously, coming off a surprise loss as well, uh, and we've seen a lot of teams coming off losses and winning. Obviously, theirs wasn't as drastic, but is there that um, weariness there as well? Any team you play now, no matter what the result the week before, it's going to be a tough game. So, um, you know, we know that we're going to be uh, in for in for a good challenge this weekend, but uh, on Monday night, sorry, but um, you know, hopefully we can rise to it and uh, and get the two points. That's Warriors prop Jacob Lilliman talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. The New Zealand men's and women's hockey teams are flying out to Europe this weekend to take part in the latest round of the World Hockey League in Rotterdam. The new tournament is designed to include more nations in the World Cup and Olympic qualification process and began with teams from more than 60 countries last year. The Rotterdam tournament will split both the men's and women's competitions into two pools of four, which will then determine seedings for the knockout stage. The Black Sticks need a top three finish in the Netherlands to assure them of a spot in next year's World Cup. The women's coach, Mark Hager, spoke to Alex Coogan-Reeves about the challenges his side faces with the tournament's complex format. We haven't been together as a team, um, and yeah, but we've, we've had that in the past, and it's, it's just going from being centralised at the Olympics to, to not being centralised, you're sort of, well, you're not, there's something a little bit different again. But in the end, we've been through this before and we just need to get on with it and, and make sure we're well prepared when we get over there. Is playing in the Netherlands, is that sort of where it's at for international hockey? Is that the pinnacle? Uh, that's one of them, obviously, because uh, you know, it's, it's a prof- well, not a professional sport over there, but it's the number one, number one sport behind um, football over there. Um, and they get good crowds and, and fantastic fantastic atmosphere you know it'll be a great excitement for I think for all, all involved and have you uh, spoken to perhaps some of the new players that wouldn't have experienced the Olympics and haven't um, dealt with that before about not yet how it might be different no no we haven't yet that'll be something we do when we get away um, and again it's mainly because we haven't been together um, and, and you know our trainings are early mornings or, or late at night so um, and they work or study during the day so you know you just don't have the time or the, uh, the hours to be able to fulfill all those roles so um, that'll be sort of that'll be part of the week next week that we, we deal with yeah some of the perhaps flaws in the way this tournament is it a frustration that you could lose every game? Um, and, and your pull and then win a quarter final and um, no frustration if you do that <laughs> if that happens to us and we win that fourth game then then you know fantastic rule you know I'll, I'll, I'll praise it uh, but if you win your first three games and then lose the quarter final then you know that, that's that's you know that's when I think oh well you know where's the consistency in putting winning three games you know there's Basically, you don't get any points from the first round. Um, you know, you're not playing for points; you're playing for position um, to see to see who you're going to play in the other pool. And, and you can't you can't predict that either because you don't know what's going to happen in the other pool. Um, so you could end up playing anyone. We could end end up playing anyone from the Dutch to Korea, Japan, or, or Chile. You know, and um, you know. Yeah, no one will probably want to play the Dutch because you know the Olympic gold medalists. It's their home ground. Um, you know, they know how to play and win major tournaments. So, um, you know, they're a team that everyone will be trying to avoid. So, But saying that, Korea or Japan could upset them in the round games and you don't know where, where each team's going to finish. So, um, 
we try yeah. to throw yeah. a game to avoid. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> never do that. Never do that. But, that, you yeah, know, that's the exciting thing, I suppose, and, and probably why FIH have put it in there, because there's that unpredictability. You don't know who you're going to play um, in those finals. And there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the qualification for the World Cup. But there's also a title later in the year, the World Hockey League title. Is that a prestigious thing and is that something that you've got eyes on winning or is it you're more focused on just getting to the World Cup? Well, just the World Cup at this stage. Um, I mean, it's, we get this opportunity and then the Oceania Cup um, in, in Taranaki in, in October, November. Um, they're, the, they're the main two, so if we don't do well here, then we've got that second opportunity. Um, and then the World League Four is, yeah, we'll look at it um, you know, it's at the end of the year, um, you got to weigh up. There's there's ranking points on it, and the rankings are very very close in the women's side. Um, yeah, we, we could drop from third to sixth very quickly um, if we don't do well this year. Um, so from that point of view, it's 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 invaluable for, um, for 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 ranking points. But on the other hand, you could also use it as it's invaluable to blood some new young kids as well um, against some of the top teams in the world. So. You know, we'll reassess that depending on, on how we go. But number one, we've got to qualify for it. You know, if we don't finish in the top three um, or even in the top four, then we're not even going. So uh, that, you know, that'd be out of the equation. That's New Zealand women's hockey coach Mark Hager talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.